I suddenly put two and two together. I was like, I'm a photographer, storyteller, and there's a really cool story to tell here. I really need to tell it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canon Conversations, the show where I sit down with some of the top creatives in the industry so that you can become a better photographer. On today's show, we're going to be having a conversation about arguably one of the most important aspects of photography, and that is storytelling. So how we can go beyond simply making a pretty picture into something that tells a story. And to go in depth with us on this uh, subject, we have a Wanaka-based uh, adventure and lifestyle photographer Camilla Brotherford. Camilla, thanks for joining me. No problem. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to having this chat. Awesome. And um, for anyone who uh, isn't familiar with your work, do you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, yourself, your journey with photography, um, and how you all s- 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 started? Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm actually um, Scottish, but um, ended up in New Zealand uh, through default about um, 18 years ago. Um, I studied art college in London um, with a strong interest in the theatre and arts, and that kind of evolved into um, taking photos. So um, I ended up uh, a lover of the mountains, thanks to my parents um, taking us skiing whenever they could up to the highlands of Scotland and we spent most of our childhood outdoors um, and with these two passions of, of art and, and uh, adventuring I found this middle ground where I could take my passion and uh, create a job for myself which was storytelling through photography. Awesome, fantastic. And um, how would you kind of, I guess, describe your photographic style? Because it's relatively broad but how would you sort of de- describe your photography yeah it's a difficult one to try and describe yourself but um Mm. I guess over the years I've evolved and um and into a a sort of storyteller in that I think from my theatre background I studied at um St Martin's College of Art in London and I did a four-year degree in um uh, performing arts um and through that I learned a lot about um telling stories through um I guess through the art of, of theatre and film. I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker. I, I um, made loads of films when I was at art school and um, spent a lot of time in the dark rooms uh, back, back in the film days. <laughs> and um, I think through that, I kind of have got this passion of, of, of trying to tell um, as much as I can through a single image. Um, yeah, and that's kind of brought me into this, this style of, of telling telling emotive stories through through a single image mm. and I think one of the, the strongest things I realized when I I sort of had the film camera the moving camera and the um and the still camera and I would always go which one do I want to use which one am I going to pick up and I kept p- going towards the still camera I think the single gratification of just getting that moment and knowing that in that second you've created something that tells a story whereas with with moving I had to then you know take it home and and cut it together with lots of other bits which is an art in itself but it was something about that instant gratification of of getting that single banger that you're like Mm -hmm. that's it yeah I've got it yeah that that's really interesting and I think that potentially has something to do with your link to theater because theater is a lot about the kind of the 
tableau they're like sort of mm. pro- like sort of projecting this sort of finished almost painting like piece to the audience you know you've got this fixed viewpoint this fixed stage and it's a lot about crafting little single moments compared to say film where you're you know jumping around different camera angles and jumping through time and space um yeah and yeah it's, that's that's quite interesting that that's, you gravitated towards the f- i like, f- f- photography I, like that. I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it mm. like that i think it's the you know i've i've always i've worked alongside film as my entire mm. photography career and very often i'm on shoots where you know it's a you know clients are getting their bang for their buck they've got big Big, big film crew there they've got still photographer they're trying to do kill two birds with one stone mm. and I work alongside film crews which I absolutely love because they're great mm. great company and um and one of the things you know I always learn is is that they have all this team behind them and they have you know all this gear that they need and all everything and there I am just me mm. with my still camera and um I'm trying to tell a story that they're trying to tell with this series of montages and whatever but each definitely has its own challenges mm. but um yeah, for me, the the I guess the challenge and the reward is is being able to, as I say, capture that story in that single frame. Mm. And I think yeah, you're right. Photography certainly frees you up to be, I guess, more removed from the equipment and the technical side of things. You know, oh, yeah. like video, the the cameras are bigger. The the there mm-hmm. is extra equipment when it comes to microphones and lights and there's lots of different people doing different jobs whereas photography it is a lot more pure in the sense that you as the photographer are a lot less encumbered by equipment between you and your subject uh you've nailed it Mm. absolutely and i think that was one of the you know i sort of felt like i had two paths and i could have gone this way or this Mm. way and i chose to go down the stills line maybe because maybe because i'm a bit lazy (laughs) (laughs) Or that I'm not I'm not a super tech person. I'm I'm very dyslexic. So for all you dyslexics out there, you think in pictures, you don't think in f stops and all this kind of jargon. And I think the film world, I just was just like, oh no, too much, too much. I like the simple act, having a camera and a lens, and just me, and just yeah, that's it. So I think that's sort of why I went that way rather than yeah. that way. Fantastic, interesting, awesome. Well, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown now on what you're currently working on what is sort of your sort of photographic sure. professional life look like right now Ooh, um oh, i'll try and give you a quick uh rundown of of uh, a brief introduction into how i got to where i am so as i say i studied in london for four years um which i was at the best art school arguably in the uk slash the world and i absolutely hated it can i say that i I did not do well there. I, London was so claustrophobic to me. Mm. I was, you know, I, I grew up in the country just outside Edinburgh in Scotland. As I say, went to the Highlands all the time, skiing and biking and, and suddenly being in this city full of art students. And I think that's something that's resonates with me now is, is especially in, in the world of the arts is like everyone trying to be really arty and like, Mm. you know, follow trends. And, and, and I found that St. Martin's was just full of people who are, sort of trying to out art each other and and I just didn't fit in the slightest every chance I got I was on the train back up to Scotland I was flying out to the Alps to go teach skiing um and anyway I did it I finished it I graduated four years at art school um I've got some work that I was really proud of I made a film for my final piece um 
And after that, I was like, right, I'm off skiing. <laughs> I packed my bags mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, I'll just do a few ski seasons and I'll, I'll come back to London um, and I'll pursue my film career. Um, I did actually work on a few feature films in, in the big movie studios in London. Mm -hmm. and, and I actually loved that. That, was, that could have been me. For sure, I was working in the art department, set dressing and all sorts. And, and then um, uh, I went for my few ski seasons, uh, took my movie camera, took my still camera. And that's when I kept picking up my still camera, taking photos of my friends skiing, um, which was obviously my other strongest passion. And then before I knew it, those photos were making their way into magazines. And I was like, wait a minute, I can ski and take photos and make some money. Mm. Um, and I think that was the sort of like, I don't have to go back to London. I don't have to, um, you know, do the proper job thing. I'm just going to keep going until I feel like I'm either not making it or um, I've had enough. And that has taken me on the most incredible, um, what was it, 2005, I graduated to 2009 when I decided that Wanaka, uh, New Zealand was going to be home for me. Um, and then I met my husband. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell. So I was traveling for nine years, um, back to back winters, did my first summer in 2009. Um, and then I branched out into the mountain biking industry, which was an industry that was, I guess, relatively young at the time. And the bikers I met just welcomed me with open arms. I couldn't believe it. Everyone was just, so there was no cliques. There was just, and I moved into that industry and realized, oh, I can do, I can be in one place at one time. I was very ready not mm. to live out of a bag. Um, and then um, from there, I started to pick up commercial clients um, because my base was New Zealand now. I could start to work for, for clients like Tourism New Zealand um, mm. and showcase what beautiful country this is um, and what we have to offer. Um, and then uh, two children later, so I had my first son in uh, 2016, which definitely put the brakes on massively um, in my career that I'd spent the last 10, 12 years building up, which was, I'm not going to lie, it was a really hard pill to swallow. Um, you know, anyone that's a photographer out there knows that you live and breathe it. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your bones. Um, and suddenly, you know, I had to say no to quite a few dream jobs. I was made, I was, had to be at home. I didn't have the face capability. I wanted to breastfeed for as long as I could. And, and you can't just pack up and leave. Mm -hmm. You can't just go, right, I'm off for a, a week's commercial shoot or off because the snow is good here, um, which I found tough. I'm not mm -hmm. going to lie. And uh, what was really tough was seeing my male counterparts carry on even though they had young kids at home, mm -hmm. they could just go. Yeah. Um, but it's a choice, and I chose mm. to stay at home and be a mother to my two mm. boys. Um, so I doubled back in in between the two boys being born. Um, and now my youngest is two and a half, and um, I have got more drive than ever. I'm so, so keen. I think what I meant to say as well is by the time my second son was born, I very much learned to come to peace with, you know, not – feeling like I had to be out there all the time and shooting and, and, you know, I was missing out on loads and, you know, you're scrolling Instagram mm. and going, why aren't I on that job or why aren't mm. I out there shooting this? But I think by the time my second son was born, I'd come to peace with that and uh, I knew where I needed to be. I know where I need to be right now and I was at home with my boys. So um, that, I guess, leads on to what you asked me, which was sort of where I am at now and... Um, and what is what I'm working on now. And, and because I wasn't out traveling and going on commercial shoots or chasing the snow, 
I was at home on the farm um, with my boys and that has sort of led me down the path of, of, of shooting what, what, what our home life is and, and what it's like bringing up boys on a farm. Um, yeah, and that's sort of what I'm working on right now, I guess. It's, it's I mean, that's the common story for mums around the world, mm. right? You know, like having to balance the, the family and the work or the passion or the lifestyle and figuring out that journey um yeah i'm sure a lot of a lot of mums can really relate to yeah. that absolutely and it, and it's not super yeah. easy but mm. yeah yeah we get there <laughs> yeah. I, and, and i definitely want to um sort of circle back around to home life and family life and stuff um later mm. on in the, in the show cool. but i do want to um talk a little bit about um your choice to settle in wanaka specifically and how that has affected your work both in your kind of outdoor adventure stuff um you know you mentioned the skiing and the mountain biking and then how that's um circled back to your to your home life as well yeah cool so um as i sort of touched on i was mm-hmm. doing back-to-back winters between um europe i chose verbier and switzerland as my northern winter destination um and wanaka was actually the first place i did a ski season and i did my um ski instructors up at treble cone and um the day i touched down in wanaka age 18 i just i mean how can you not mm-hmm. fall in love with this town it's we've got the mountains the lakes um uh which is the biggest seller but i think for me it was the people i met um i met a bunch of skiers and a bunch of um locals here that you know back when i met them in 2001 2002 are still you know my best mates to this day um and i think it was just something about this place that that just welcomed me with open arms and and it's very like Scotland, so don't get me wrong, I do miss Scotland and I do miss my family like crazy. Mm. So it's not an easy decision to make to, to up sticks and live on the other side of the world, but it was a very gradual process. So, you know, over the years, um, you know, going to and from and, and uh, Wanaka, I think it's just got it all for me. Um, and I, I, I moved here officially before I met my husband, so it wasn't like I was moving here for someone. Mm. Um, I guess I was moving here for for the lifestyle and, and, and the people I met. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty in love with this place. And mm. the more I, time I spent in New Zealand, the more I realized the whole country has got so much awesome stuff to offer. Um, I've only just scratched the surface. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting. And cause you're, you are definitely one of those photographers who your environment like is, you know, through your work, hundred mm. percent. There's there's no way to remove. If you left Wanaka, your work would look completely completely di- different. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of photographers relate uh, to, to that. But to to transition now into kind of the main topic of today's show around storytelling. Mm-hmm. How um how did you kind of land on the sort of classic kind of photojournalism style of photography that you have now especially in your kind of your farm life work is there any were there like photographers that you were looking at specifically or was it more of a kind of intuitive style that you landed on I think it's more intuitive than um I mean I'm definitely inspired by a lot of amazing photographers out there um but for me maybe it stems back to my art school days is that my sort of almost rebellions against following trends mm. um, I um, I think 
you know, when when I when I was just shooting skiing and biking, and and I didn't really have too much a care in the world about making lots of money, or I was just traveling, and and I just shoot what I saw, and I shoot what was happening, um, and very early in my career as a ski photographer, um, someone said to me, if you took that skier out of the photo, would it still be good? Mm. And that's something that stuck with me for years, thinking, you know, it's not, we've got so much more to tell than just that one thing. Um, So, you know, for me, one of my big inspirations is light. I mean, any photographer Mm. would be interested in light and it can just be as mundane as how the light comes through the window onto, mm. you know, that chair or, or, you know, the way that the trees move in the afternoon in your garden or something, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go out in the back country into the middle of the mountains to, to be telling those stories. It could be as simple as something at home. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, the storytelling thing is definitely resonates from, from, Tra- you know, travel and, and telling the backstory to a ski or a bike adventure. But mm. um, yeah, and I, maybe it comes down to also, you know, my desire to sort of previous desire to be a filmmaker and that, you know, it's lovely when you can get a collection mm. of images together and tell that story um, through, through a multiple set of images. Um, yeah. I hope that's answered that question. <laughs> no, no, it, it it definitely does. And I get to to mention what you um, said earlier about like if you removed, say, the skier from a photo, mm. is it still a good photo? It kind of that kind of it. It's like changing that mindset of like you're taking a photo of a thing to mm. taking a photo about a thing. You know, you're trying to. Yeah, it, to yeah. It's not just like mm. capturing the moment. It's like trying to sort of layer through all what this the thing you're taking the photo of, you know, what's that all about? Yeah, mm. no, you've nailed it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I do think that people, you know, being like being born, being able to sing or being born, being able to, um, you know, write beautifully or something. It, it, to a certain extent, it's something you're born with just mm. with that eye of, of noticing things that other people might not notice. And, and what's cool is that every photographer or anyone out there has got a different, mm. a different way of looking at things. And it's how you interpret that when you, you take those still photos that really resonates who you are as a photographer. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what's, that's what's cool about it as an art. Mm. It's like, you know, people will try and see things, everyone sees things in different ways and tells d- stories that mm. the, um, a different way than someone else would. Mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so sort of and carry on with um, storytelling and, and how it re- relates to your photography. Um, each time you go to take a photograph, are you like how important is it to you, like the process of that photo take, telling a story? Is it a conscious thing every time you're pushing pushing the shutter, every time you're picking up your camera? Um, mm. Or again, is it a more intuitive kind of process yes. for you? That's a really interesting question. Um, I sort of lean towards saying it's it's more intuitive. Um, mm. oh, well, no, not not necessarily. I guess it depends, and this is probably where we can talk about personal work versus sort of mm. commissioned work. Um, I obviously got a few different clients, and that you know, I work for um, editorial, I'll work for commercial, and then I'll sort of have my personal work as well. So. 
um, I love getting a brief from a client and, and trying to, to interpret what their vision is and what mm. they're trying to tell and what they're, they're trying to sell their brand or whatever and trying to get into their space and, and work it out what it is that they're trying to, to achieve. And um, through interpreting that brief, I am then able to, I guess it's like, I don't know whether it's just my brain, but I kind of have to like switch on my photography brain sometimes. Mm. And, um, you know, if I get given that brief and I'll suddenly like in the space like I am now, I'll be like, right, you need to tell a story where, you know, everything for here is and say for sale or, and I'll suddenly everything will change and I'll be able to go, oh, well, you know, if I'm trying to sell that cushion over there, then, you know, if, if I could get someone to sit like, you know, mm. you can suddenly start interpreting things um, in a different way if you get given that brief. But then when you sort of flip to the other side when it's, there's no brief and it's just you and, and you're shooting because you want to shoot, um, you're telling the story of, um, of, of what's inspiring you at the time. Um, and I guess this is where we come around to talking about sort of my farm life. Um, and yeah, your everyday life can feel very mundane to you, but, but to someone else it's, it can be, you know, quite different or quite beautiful. So, um, living on a high country merino farm in the South Island of New Zealand is, it's a pretty special place to, to be and to bring up two sons. So I think I realized, um, a wee while ago that, I really need to document this um, and it's hard not to and mm -hmm. especially when you know there's beautiful light or there's you know there's lots of sheep out there a stock there's various things happening um, it's hard not to want to reach for your camera all the time mm. <laughs> um, it's usually the times when I don't have it I want it the most um, but yeah I think yeah I think that's about all I have to say on that. <laughs> the idea of capturing your home life may seem a little um, mundane to people. You know, people like you're scrolling Instagram and you see photos from all over the world and people get excited about um, going out there and photographing the new, the exciting, the unknown. What, ha what, what have you learned about capturing your home life? Um, as I sort of said, mentioned, touched on before, I think it's about what you see as, as an individual, as an artist, um, and how you interpret that. Um, you know, your, what you see, it's, it's really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's really hard. You can go day to day to day. And I have to actively remind myself to, to keep shooting um, because your life, it gets busy and, you know, you've got kids and you're rushing at the door and, and, and I think almost this thing we've all just been through um, has forced us all to, to, to slow down and, and to, to look at the small things um, um, and really sort of, yeah, take a breath and, and have a look at things that may seem mundane to you. But I follow a few, few awesome Kiwi photographers on Instagram and um, the AIPA and stuff like that. And they set some awesome challenges during lockdown to... To, to keep shooting and keep your eye in. And it was really fun. They had this sort of still life project and then they, um, they had a week long thing where you could take a still life of anything in your house or anything anywhere. Um, and then obviously things like a portrait of, of who you're in lockdown with. And yeah. suddenly I was like, oh, you know, the, the boys sitting there at breakfast with the morning sun coming in or, you know, the that flower on the windowsill with, you know, that's, blowing in the breeze or you know just just tiny things and I think it's again switching on that 
that sort of photographer's eye um, because you can get busy and it just passes mm. you by and you just, yeah. I think keeping active is really important, but also not beating yourself up on um, on sort of trying to, to feel like you all should be doing it, you all should be shooting and whatever and just finding that balance. Mm. Have you um, noticed, I guess, the way you approach photographing your home life in terms of like a thing in, in regards to storytelling when you're so close to the story to the point where it doesn't feel like a story because it's just your mm. life that you're living yeah like how is that affected like your thought process when you're having to i guess look at your own life in a slightly more removed way to go you know where is the story here or yeah mm. Um, well, I guess I'm, I'm pretty fortunate in that obviously I live on this beautiful high country farm um, and it is quite unique mm-hmm. um, and there is so much to shoot. So um, just trying to, to think about, um, yeah, what, what people might, well, not even thinking about what people might want to see, but just, just telling a story about our um, day-to-day lives and, and sort of what my husband's up to on the farm. Um, yeah, I don't really know about that one, to be mm. honest. <laughs> it's a tricky one. Mm. No, but it, was, it was a slightly mm. sideways question. But um, to, I guess, transition now into talking about your project, Heal the Earth. Mm. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that project, what it is and what yeah. drew you to it? Oh, yes, absolutely. You won't get me to shut up on this <laughs> one. <laughs> Please don't. Um, so I've mentioned before, um, I live on um, a high country merino station in, um, just outside of Wanaka. And um, it's been in my husband's family for over 100 years. So that is a long time. My boy is a fifth generation, uh, which is something incredibly special and we're very proud of. Um, about three years ago, my husband um, started looking into soil health and um, what it meant for us as a farm and um, how we could uh, reduce our input costs and try and make ends meet a bit better and, and do the right thing by the environment. Um, and he started, I mean, I, I grew up rurally in Scotland. My father was an agronomist. Um, I'm not uh, foreign to the agriculture well but when my husband started talking about all this stuff I became surprisingly interested I was like oh okay no this is cool this makes loads of sense I think I've been always been a little bit of an environmentalist and trying to do the right thing um, as far as you can in terms of the environment and and what I learned through this new uh, method of what's well, not even new method of farming it's um, I guess it's a new uh, tagline as, as regenerative agriculture reg- regenerative farming um, is that it will we're starting to farmers are starting to work with nature um, instead of always fighting against her. Um, and in terms of climate change, it's got huge implications in um, drawing down carbon and purifying water and growing a nutrient dense food. And I, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting and really positive for the future. And I think many parents out there will agree that a pivotal point in their life is becoming a parent and then suddenly thinking god what's the world going to be like when you know our boys are my age or you know are we going to be able to leave it in a better place than we found it um and i think for my husband um he really you know if our boys ever want to take over the farm that that we leave it in a better state than we found it um 
so yeah, his his journey into to to learning about how to better manage um, better manage the farm got me really interested. Um, and I personally think every human being in the world needs to care about this because we all eat. Mm. Um, and it was almost sort of like I was listening to all these. He showed me lots of podcasts and and um, listening to this, and I was like, what? Well, why don't people, why doesn't everyone know about this? This seems like such a solution to so many of the world's problems. And why aren't we all doing this? And why aren't we all supporting farmers that are farming this way? So I suddenly put two and two together. I was like, I'm a photographer, storyteller, and there's a really cool story to tell here. I really need to tell it. Hmm. So... Um, that's what I'm doing. I'm incredibly, it's lit a fire under me. Like, <laughs> like I would never have thought, you know, man and by skiing, cool stuff, adventuring to, to farming. It's like, um, I guess it's something that has, has made me incredibly passionate, um, mm. and made me really want to shout this from the rooftops. And I've always slightly thought, how am I going to give back with my craft? And, and I feel like this is my calling to, mm-hmm. to be able to give back. Um, so I started documenting what he was doing on the farm about two years ago. We're still very new in the process, so there's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But um, on documenting what he's up to, because I knew that we'd want to look back and go, wow, look where we started from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started an Instagram page, um, and then the pickup was crazy. Like mm. everyone was so interested, like urban people, rural people, um, people from overseas. And I'm like, wow, oh, that's cool. A bit like me, you know, mm. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a scientist. I'm a photographer. And I was like, oh, that, that's super interesting. We can clean up our waterways this way. We can, we can put carbon back in the ground. We can grow nutrient-dense food to feed our families. Um, we can increase biodiversity and stop spraying chemicals on the ground and um i was like right okay so it grew from there and then um the wonderful guys at canon uh do this grant where um, they give some money to people um to realize a personal photography project and i'm not gonna lie i've entered a few times and it's i think the last one i did was a a base jumping story yeah let's go you know chase some base jumpers does it really mean anything now i look back i'm like no wonder i didn't win it didn't mean much at all um, but this time around, I put my heart and soul into an application and, and um, put it out there. And, and yeah, they gave me some money. So that's what I've been up to for the last about seven months. Um, and I wanted it to go beyond our farm because we're just a tiny little speck in the grand scheme of things. Um, and there are farmers all over New Zealand who are doing incredible things. And um, yeah, People need to know. Mm. Um, funnily enough, there was a country calendar. We all love country calendar, right? <laughs> a few classic. weeks ago. Yeah, with, with a farmer who um, has helped my husband a bit and has been in the game a bit longer than us. Um, and the pickup from that, even people like, wow, you know, urbanites, that, mm. this is cool. Why don't we know about this? Why, is, you know, why isn't every farm mm. doing this? Um, and it's a sort of thing that's it's scary to farmers to, to think about changing stuff. But, yeah, I just wanted to tell a story and, and tell it to, to New Zealand and all the world. So I cooked up a few trips to do. Um, 
and um, found out all these farms. And the more I knew this would happen, the more I sort of started digging, the more I found people doing awesome stuff and, and um, wanted to visit them all. I had to cap that to 10. So um, I, the North Island trip was the big one. So in March, luckily just before the whole corona crisis um, packed my bags and went off and, and VW New Zealand were absolute legends and lent me um, their brand new Grand California camper van. So I had a, a camper van, just me, little old me in this massive camper van. And I toured around the North Island for a week visiting um, the most inspiring farms and people um, and telling their story through photography. So um, I have now got all the images and all the stories and they're all sitting very safe on my hard drives. Um, and because I've just had nine weeks of uh, mumming 24-7, I haven't had the time to put it together yet. Um, but I am longing to get into it and uh, put the piece together and um, watch this space. Mm. I'm going to be coming to, to hopefully to a city or a, a screen near you where you can um, some, watch an interactive. Go to hope, The idea is to have an interactive um, exhibition. Mm. What that will mean, I'm yet to find out because I'm yet to do the post-processing, yeah. but Very I'll let you know. Yeah, cool. And, um, yeah, that's really exciting. And uh, I guess the one of the questions I have for you is how do you feel like your photographic voice and even just a photographic voice in general contributes to that kind of conversation? What sort of extra value does that add to – because, you know, like we're – we're not the um, like photos are just photos. Like there's obviously the phrase of photo has a thousand words, but it is it's not sort of spelling out specifically mm. in a way that like this is how we fix the issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, what sort of do you feel like your how do you feel like your photography adds to the conversation? Um, yeah, it's a tricky one because sort of when I got the grant and and um, was like, oh right now I have to do it. Um, a lot of me was thinking, oh, I should really be a filmmaker right now because this is something that would, you know, to make a to make mm. a, a film on this would be would be amazing. And I was like, oh, hey. it's a big story to try and mm. tell through still images, um, and I'm I'm yet to to sort of 100% discover whether that's going to work. Um, I've had some editorial um, pickups, so there's a few stories coming out in some magazines, um, some big magazines soon. So keep an eye out um and then as terms of in terms of my personal project i'm hoping by having this interactive ex exhibition where i can have these um these shots that i've got um where people come to a space and 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 have a look at these photos that um might not be your regular kind of you know or they're definitely not your regular farm agriculture photos um and what I really want to do is just get people talking, um, start a conversation. Um, and each of the farms I've been around, I've also done on-camera interviews with um, each of each of the farmers, um, and they tell their story and what their views are on this this topic. Um, and I'm hoping to cut that together with with my still images and show this at the interactive exhibition, and then people can. I just want to get people talking. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting because obviously, like you said, the the medium of documentary filmmaking sort of feels like a a natural direction to go with this kind of story. Mm. You know, like 
environmental issue, like like talking to um, farmers, what they're doing. It's it screams like sit down interview documentary film. But I think what you just said there is really beautiful because like like a documentary film like is the conversation. It's a very strong mm. voice. It's a very controlled, contained um, viewpoint and sort of a whole all encompassing package. Whereas, like you said, with you want to start a conversation, like it's almost like photography is more of a seed to a conversation. Yeah. Like there, because there is no strict verbal voice attached to it, people bring their own conversations and it is just a sort of a seed and a starting point for people to discuss the issue. Yeah, no, mm. I really, I really like the way you put that. That's um, indeed, and mm. and yeah, I think I, I think just yes, as you say, starting a mm. conversation and getting people interacting. Um, I was a bit worried, obviously, with the Corona cri- crisis mm. that you know it was not we're not going to get together in a space mm. again. And and a few people said, oh well, no, don't wait, don't wait, just put it online. And I'm like, I don't just want to put it mm. online and for people to be scrolling and oh, isn't that another pretty picture or whatever. It was so bombarded with imagery at the moment, all in you know, with our social media lives, um, that mm. getting people to actually stop, come together, and talk amongst each other um, is something really important. I feel, um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, I can pull this off. <laughs> you know, it it it's really cool. It's really exciting. It sounds like it's going to be a really um, interesting experience when you get people in the room. Yeah, mm. let's get some people together, yeah. both in you know, both in, in urban and rural environments. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, we definitely want to bridge that gap between between urban and rural, and um, yeah. and get people thinking about where the food comes from. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, Camilla. To finish us off, um, to mm. sort of to finish off um, our show today, um, what advice would you have to young photographers who, you know? there it's different to when we first started photography like it's the the monster that is instagram shapes a lot of young photographers coming through and there's a lot around mm. sort of um making a pretty picture making a picture that stands out on its own and yeah. is just like cool and pretty and fun yeah. what would you tell to young photographers about the importance of like lacing their photography with a strong backbone of storytelling mm. Yeah, it's tough out there. Um, mm. You know, if, even having been in the game for how many years, sort of, you know, I think I'm like about 14 years, I guess, a professional photographer. Um, you know, Instagram and Facebook and stuff didn't exist and I was only just, digital was only really just taking off. Um, but now it's, social media is your best friend and your worst mm. enemy. Um, you know, it, it can can inspire you and engage you and make you want to get out there and go do stuff but it can also mentally it can be a real real stickler you know you're you're looking through and going oh why aren't I out there why didn't I take that um I guess sort of for me it stems back to to being an anti-trendsetter <laughs> um uh, you know I've never I think that people are a bit bored of seeing the the backs of people looking out of a view or, you know, just there's this all the trends and I just try not to be a trend, trend follower, be a trendsetter. Mm. <laughs> I know that's a really, that sounds really rubbish. Um, uh, I'm trying to put this, just do what, do what you do. Don't do what other people yeah. do. Um, and it's, I think it comes with an age. Um, 
and a, and a sort of simple art of not really giving a damn um, what other people are doing. Uh, and that takes, I guess it takes confidence and it takes experience. Um, and I don't get me wrong, I, you know, we, we all struggle with it all the time. Um, um, but just listen to your own voice and do, do what you feel is right. I'm a big believer in gut instinct. You know, if something is getting your tummy in flutters and, and making you feel like you want to really just do it, go for it. But if you feel like you're sort of shoveling whatever uphill and, and you should be doing that because old mate next door's doing it and they've got all those lenses and those cameras and they should be much better and just don't just do what you believe um, you should be doing mm. instead of trying to follow a trend um, and keep shooting. The biggest, keep yeah. shooting. Get yeah. out there. <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I hope that's helpful. It, 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 it definitely <laughs> is. I think, yeah, like just obviously being aware of what's out there but not being mm. dictated by it, you know, following your own voice, following yeah. your own gut and is, is just really don't, important. Don't get, don't get bogged down by yeah. – um, remember, I had a really good quote. It's like, don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlights. Yes, absolutely. Like, you're mm. looking at the best of the best of polished life on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not their reality. Yeah, it's not your reality. Mm. So show your reality, and you might get mm. might surprise you. <laughs> awesome, fantastic. Well, I think that's a great place to finish. Um, thank you so much, Camilla, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed um, having a chat with you. Oh, it's been great. Thank you so much, Ben, for having me. And um, thanks so much to Canon for this opportunity. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love talking about themselves <laughs> for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t totally. Awesome. And um, yeah, we're going to have links to all of Camilla's work below. And we're going to be keeping an eye out for how Heal the Earth uh, pro progresses and de develops. <laughs> and we'll be looking out for that. Um, yeah, it'd be great. Cool. Thanks so much. Lovely to chat. Cool. Awesome. Alrighty. And until next time, guys. See ya.